Welcome to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. Joel's guest today is an author and actor, best known for his role, Dwight Schrute in The Office, Rain Wilson. And now, here's Joel Osteen. I'm very blessed today to have Mr. Rain Wilson. You guys know him from The Office, Dwight. Rain, you brought so much joy and humor to the world and light and positivity, and we appreciate you being with us. I'm a big fan. Joel, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure and an honor, and I love the work you do and all the uplifting you do day in and day out. Well, I love that, Rain. I, I can't help but smile when I look at you because just uh, all those years on The Office, what, a, what, an amazing, <laughs> what an amazing actor you are and just a, a gift that God's given you. But hey, go back, Rain. So how'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in suburban Seattle in the late 60s. I kind of had hippie parents. Uh, hence the name Rain. Yeah. Although I kind of dodged a bullet, Joel, because my mom wanted to name me Thucydides <laughs> after the Greek historian. Apparently, there's a Greek historian named Thucydides. Oh my goodness! And um, my dad fought for Rain. And anyway, so I, I grew up in a quirky kind of bohemian, artsy household in suburban Seattle. You know, was kind of a nerdy kid and you know, found that I could make people laugh. I'm a little bit ridiculous looking. I I get that. I honor that. Um, and that led me to uh, be an actor. Were you always funny, though, growing up, too? I had a tough childhood in a lot of ways. There was a lot of divorce in my family. There was a lot of pain. And I think humor is often used as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Like, it's it's a way to get by and it's also a way that I found early on to get people to like me, that I I was good at playing the clown and people would laugh and include me more than if I didn't. And certainly when I got older and was a teenager and realized like, oh, if I make the girls laugh, they actually want to hang out with me yeah. and invite me to their lunch table more often. Yeah. Um, then I kind of just kept going in that direction. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you know you wanted to be an actor early on? I did. It was just one of those things where I would literally, Joel, I grew up watching television sitcoms as a kid. Wow. All the great ones, Mary Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart show and going all the way to MASH and Cheers. And I always felt like I want to do that. Yeah, and, and it was funny, too, because I didn't want to play the lead characters. I always saw the secondary characters on the shows, and I, was, and I just loved the, the clown characters, the, the backup characters. And it just was in my heart from a very young age. Um, I wish I had a more exciting or scintillating yeah. story, but I just always thought I could do that, and I, and I want to do that. And I, I held that kind of that secret aspiration in my heart. And then I started later on in high school taking some classes and I found I was pretty good at it and I could make people laugh and especially with comedy and studied it in college and eventually went to New York to study acting. Wow, that's amazing. No, Rain, I think that, you know, God gives you those desires and sometimes we know early on, but uh, yeah, that's really, really neat. Did your parents support you in this? Because acting sometimes kind of far out, you know? <laughs> They did. Um, my dad was, uh, who passed away a few years back, he was an artist, uh, a painter, but yeah. he also wrote science fiction books and wow. he wrote poetry and he was just very artistic in his temperament. And he was always supportive from the get go. And my, my mom was a little bit more like, how are you going to make a living? And, yeah. you know, how are you going to pay the bills? But, um, 
they they supported me. I was very lucky in that regard. And I knew it was going to take a long time. I think anyone who goes into the arts, you got to give it like a good 10 years. You got to yeah. just dive in fully committed. Um, and then you can always change direction if it doesn't work out. Yeah. But uh, I just went whole hog into the acting world and studied at NYU and took a lot of improv classes and clowning classes and comedy classes as well as kind of theater acting and started making a living slowly but surely in the theater at first and then that eventually brought me out to Los Angeles. Yeah, so you at NYU that I don't know much about the training in the on that kind of the arts but can you learn to be a better actor or are you just nat you're naturally gifted I know that but did did you learn a lot there or did just your natural talent come out? That's a great question and a great discussion because there are some actors that, you know, like Brad Pitt had never taken an acting class and just moved out to LA and has had this incredible career and he's one of the best actors going. I don't know if he's ever even sat in an acting class. He's just all natural talent. I had a lot of talent, but I kept getting in my own way. Gotcha. And maybe other people can relate to that. So for me, training was invaluable. And yeah, besides voice and speech and Shakespeare and movement and all that stuff you can learn in classes, I had some really great acting teachers that taught me some invaluable stuff about, you know, how to listen in character, how to how to play an intention, how to how to use language to get what you want when you're in character, all this kind of stuff. And I was so fortunate to to be in a program where, you know, 16 hours a day, I was just acting and honing my skills. Wow. And, uh, that helped me have a long career. Yeah, you've done many, many great things. And Rain, I guess everybody asks you about the office, but tell me, tell me a little bit. How did how did that come about? Uh, that was so popular, and you know, still popular to this day. You know, it's funny. The um, my acting teacher at NYU, Ron Van Loo, uh, he he said, you know, Rain, your way in is going to be through comedy, and then once you do the comedy, that's going to open doors for you to do other things. But wow. that's that's your way in, and and he was right. I had done a bunch of theater in New York. I moved out to LA. My wife and I packed a little rinky-dink Nissan SUV with our with our dogs and a walk and popcorn popper and a, and a cardboard boxes. And we drove across the country and yeah. I just started auditioning and uh, just slowly but surely after a bunch of really terrible supporting roles and some TV shows, I started auditioning for, for more TV and... Uh, I was very fortunate I got on the show that was on HBO called Six Feet Under, and I had a small run on that show, and that kind of opened the door for me doing The Office. And um, uh, I'm really blessed because to be a professional actor is kind of a miracle. It's such yeah. a difficult yeah. um, field to get into. And then to get on a TV show is, you know, to be a series regular on a TV show is even more miraculous. And then to get on one that works and lasts a long time is even more miraculous. And then one that stands the, t the test of time and that people watch over and over again and, and adore and becomes a classic, it's, it's really indescribable. I just, every single day, I remind myself how, how blessed I am for having had this career path. Amazing. Rain Wilson is my guest, and you know him from The Office and many other things. He's got a new book out called Soul Boom, We Need a Spiritual Revolution. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but 
Did you know when the office, when you were first on it, did you, did you sense that was a hit? Did you know it was just things were clicking or did it take some time? It really took some time, it? Joel. It was, we broke so many rules of television comedy when we first came out in around 2005. We didn't have a laugh track. Yeah. It was a mockumentary. There weren't many, there were some things like that that were out there, but there weren't a whole lot. We didn't have like this incredibly great looking cast. Um, we didn't have a cast filled with models. We weren't brightly lit. It wasn't a show with a lot of kind of hard jokes, yeah. you know, quote unquote jokes. It was situational and character based and the awkward pauses. So we were doing a lot of really new things at the time. And at first we got some not so good reviews and our ratings weren't very good. We were almost canceled like five or six times. Wow! And then slowly but surely, uh, really young audiences started finding our show. And, and that's been a really surprising thing, uh, Joel, is how much kids love the office. Yeah. Kids who have never set foot in an office. Yeah. Love the office, you know, funny. kids that, um, uh, they've never even been into their parents' office, but 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, college kids, and that became our core audience, even though we thought that we were making a show for people who worked in offices and struggled, and and we could make fun of being having a bad boss in an yeah. office and what that was like. Yeah, that's it. Rain, did you write some of it too, or or part of that team, or no? No, not me. There were a lot of writers that were on the cast that were, um, you know, B.J. Novak, Mindy Kaling, Paul Lieberstein. They were writers as well as actors. But I was just signed on as an actor. I got to direct some episodes. Oh, and wow. we we certainly, uh, one of the th wonderful things that our creator uh, of our show, Greg Daniels, he was very collaborative. So if you had an idea for a storyline or uh, something like that. You could just go in and pitch it and, and they would be very open to your, to your ideas. And, um, so that was, a, it had a really wonderful, playful spirit on the set. I love that. And Rain, what, did it take a long, how long did it take to shoot an episode? Five days per episode. Uh -huh. So one, one per week. And it, it was really not that bad of a schedule. We would get in, you know, six in the morning, which was pretty early, but we'd be done five or six at night and, uh, shoot an episode a week. Sometimes you'd get a day off or half a day off here or there because yeah. they'd be shooting different storylines. So it was a lot easier than shooting, you know, some of these one hour shows like the detective shows and stuff like that and cop shows. Those those can just take, you know, nine or 10 days and 14 hour days and really difficult locations. We mostly, we sat around a lot and surfed the internet pretending to look busy in the background yeah. <laughs> a fair amount of the time. Yeah. Did you feel uh, pressure, you know, to perform to for the ratings? Was it a pressured thing or was it just fun? At first we would, so we were, this was a while ago when we really paid attention to ratings. Yeah. So I remember was, was it uh, like Friday morning around 10 o'clock, the Thursday night ratings would come out. Yeah. And when we were, we were hanging on by our fingernails, uh, wondering if we were going to get picked up or get more episodes. And so we would look at those ratings and we really wanted them to, to inch up, you know, yeah. and not fall down. Yeah. But then once, 
once we were halfway through our second season, we kind of hit our stride and we were starting to kind of tick up in the ratings. And then I tell you, Joel, like spending months not knowing if you were going to have a job or not, to transition from that to being, hey, we're actually kind of a hit show. Wow. And I'm going to have a job for a long time. Yeah was really miraculous. Like, oh my God, I get to buy a house. I can pay off my student loans. Yeah. So this was for me, I had been a professional actor 15 years wow. before The Office wow. started to kind of become a success. So it had been a long, long struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe speak to that rain for a moment because we see your success and you're one of the funniest, one of the greatest actors. Maybe somebody's listening that's, you know, they're maybe not trying to be an actor, but they're trying to reach their dream. You know, there's pressure. There's how did maybe there's some perseverance and some determination that you're talking about there that's that's important, too. It's a conversation that I undertake a lot in my book, uh, Soul Boom, and it has to do with the importance of struggle and the importance of suffering. Because if we don't struggle and we don't suffer, we can't really appreciate success and grace. And it's part of the human experience. It's part of our soul growing experience as human beings on this planet. One story I will say is that I got my first Broadway show. This was before The Office. And um, I was very nervous about it. And I got very tense about the, the pressure around that. And I was terrible and I sucked in this Broadway play. I really was bad. I'm not just saying that yeah. to make a point. I yeah. was really, I just was doubting myself and I was tense and filled with tension and I, I couldn't find the character and I was just bad. And it was, it was awful. It was a terrible experience. I remember talking to my wife, she was going to graduate school at the time and on the phone with her sobbing in the middle of the night, like, this is my biggest chance, my biggest shot, and I've blown it, and I'm terrible, and I suffered so much. And then having gone through that, when that show ended, I remember emerging from that experience and saying, I'm never going to do that again. Meaning, I'm never going to try and people please again. I'm never yeah. going to try and be someone that I'm not. I'm never going to let the pressure get to me in that way. And I truly feel like if I hadn't gone through that failure on Broadway, that I would never have played Dwight on The Office because it gave me a newfound confidence and a voice, an authentic voice of who I was as an artist and as an actor. And that opened doors for me. So it's so funny how this thing, how these things happen. And I imagine you and your listeners can, can relate to this, that sometimes you look I'm old enough to, to look back in time and go, I'm so grateful for that suffering, for that night after night at 2 a.m. on the phone, weeping with my wife, just in agony at this experience, but it transformed me. So struggle, suffering, setbacks, disappointment, these are part of the human experience and we have to develop the resilience as we move forward to go through them and to allow them to transform us, to strengthen us, to, to give us backbone and, and metal and vision and focus. And along the way, you know, I, a lot of prayer, a lot of surrender to a power greater than me, um, 
that allowed me to get through it as well. Yeah, that's so beautifully said, Rain. I love that because it is so true that, um, you know, even looking through the scripture at some of the, I think about Joseph in the scripture, he had a, you know, he had a big life, but 13 years he was sold as a slave and he was working for somebody in a foreign country and he was sent to prison for something he didn't do. But in the end, he ended up where he was supposed to be. And I think about, you know, we fight closed doors, we fight disappointments. We, but the longer I live, the more I realize, you know what? God's in control if you'll surrender and, and learn and not fight everything. You know, I, I look back, just a quick story. I don't want to take your time, but, you know, when Victoria and I were first married, we were, you know, 23 years old. Somebody filed a lawsuit from a house we had sold. And we, it's about plumbing. We had nothing to do with it. They, they, mm. they sued 20 people, the realtor, the this, that. Dwight, I mean, Dwight, I mean, <laughs> Rain, it was like the worst thing in the world. It's like the worst thing in the world for me getting sued. But make a long story short, I met an attorney there that helped me get out of it. It was all fine. But 20 years later, that attorney was critical in us getting the compact center in where I am today. Me knowing mm. him is who I turn to. And I think, wait a minute, 20 years ago, that was the worst time of my life. And yet, mm. no, 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 there was a purpose for it all. And so that's what I teach a lot. And that's what I'm hearing you say as well. You, you don't fight it all. And I, even that point you made about, I lived wanting to be a people pleaser too. I wanted everybody to like me. And you, you realize you get in mm. the public and everybody can't like you. And you have to be, you have yeah. to be true to who you are. But Anyway, yeah. it's beautifully said, but let's talk more about your book. I don't want to take all your time. So I love that soul boom. We need a spiritual revolution. A little more about faith and having a spiritual revolution. A little more about what it's about. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is a labor of love for me. Um, I've always had a, a, a deep and abiding curiosity and interest in the spiritual. I feel like there are spiritual tools that humanity needs now more than ever you know grounded in love grounded in compassion uh grounded in community building and and grassroots action for real lasting social change based on love and this is something that's really important to me personally and covid kind of became an opportunity for me to kind of fortunately i had the resources where i i could sit down right here at this desk and and work on this book i wasn't sure if anyone was even going to read it unfortunately uh, it's people are seeming to find it and enjoy it which is great but i feel like what the great spiritual teachers of the ages have brought to humanity are a balm are a medicine and also a vision and a mission and a focus that us fractured, divided, angry, hurting human beings need now more than ever. So that's that's on one level why I wrote this book, because I know it is a little bit funny, like, wait, the guy who played Dwight, the, the paper salesman, beat farmer, why is he writing a book on spiritual ideas? <laughs> yeah. But also for me, Joel, I've been through personally a lot of mental health struggles. Uh, I've been through very real anxiety uh, disorder and panic attacks, um, some depression, addiction issues, loneliness, alienation, a lot of what young folk are really dealing with and struggling with right now. So I just feel like these tools are so important, especially for young people, um, to help get through this mental health crisis, that there is grace there, there is love there, there is uh, a reservoir of wisdom that we can draw from. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Rain, can you tell us some principles? How did you come out of that? Because I think what you said is so true. Uh, even a pastor, we deal with more people than ever with anxiety and mental issues these days. Maybe some tips of what you did or anything that could help our listeners. Let's go back to suffering for a minute. And one of the chapters I have in my book is called Death and How to Live It. And it's a somewhat humorous, but also hopefully a little bit profound investigation of of death and the journey of the soul past this life. I lost my father during COVID. Uh, It was profoundly uh, sad to me. Uh, My mom took off when I was a year and a half old, and my dad was my was my main parent. He, wow. I stayed with my dad. So losing him was really fundamentally tragic to to who I was. And I tell some beautiful stories, some funny stories, heartfelt stories about what I went through there and and use that as a springboard for a conversation about death, which is a topic we don't talk about a whole lot right. in American culture, in Western culture these days. People are scared to talk about it or it's it's kind of forbidden or it's negative or depressing or whatever, but it doesn't have to be. And if we can engage in a deeper discussion about death and especially the life of the soul after the body drops away, uh, then we can understand that suffering is there to help grow our souls in preparation for death so that we take on these beautiful divine qualities of kindness and honesty and humility and love and compassion and creativity, all those qualities of the divine, of God, that we take with us as our souls when our body falls away. So suffering is connected to death. And it's important to talk about, again, we talked about earlier, we shared some stories about our struggles, right? Right. And how we transformed those struggles into gold. And young folk need to understand that setbacks, disappointment, anxiety, um, failure, fear, these are all part of the human experience. They're there for our own edification and our growth. And um, they're not something to be uh, kind of steered away from. A lot of parents don't want their kids to feel anything negative whatsoever. And no, as a matter of fact, we should be educating our children and our teens about the, the importance of suffering. One thing I do, I've got a teenage kid, Walter, he's 18 years old. Anytime I have a failure or a rejection or a fear or an obstacle, I share it with him. Mm. And I sit down with him and I'm like, hey, Walter, remember that role that I was up for that I auditioned for four times and I really, really wanted? I didn't get it. And mm. I'm really sad about it. Mm. And it really upsets me and I'm really bummed. And I just talk to him about it. So he understands that setbacks and disappointments are part of the human experience and we can move through them and you, you can believe in yourself. And again, with God's grace and God's light, with surrender, with asking for help, um, with a strong sense of prayer as, as, as a wind that, that moves our sail forward, that uh, we, can, we can overcome these, these struggles and find our way into the light. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Rain Wilson is my guest. His new book is Soul Boom. We need a spiritual revolution. Rain, we have a, a few minutes here, but can we touch back on that? When I think about the young people these days, 
you know, there's a lot of comparison, you know, with the social media now. And you hit it early on when you talked about your role there in that in the Broadway show where you didn't feel like you you lived up to it. You made that statement. You said, I'm never going to just live to please people. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I think humans want our we're social creatures, right? We want to belong. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We do well in groups. We learned this over COVID, you know, we're not so good in isolation. We're good in community, in bonds of love, in mutual service. Social media creates this fake social environment where you have quote unquote friends. Oh, look at all my friends. I've got hundreds of friends. Well, do these hundreds of friends call you when you're feeling down? Do they ask you out for lunch? Do they put their arms around you? Do they ask you how your, how your heart is? They don't really. So our natural, normal human impulse, Joel, is to connect, to bond, to be liked, to be part of a community. And they get distorted by wanting to be accepted, liked, loved by this artificial community that happens, that exists only on your phone. And this really messes with young folks' minds. So whether young folks are listening right now and and get something out of just hearing that and understanding that they need to find real life communities, which is something that your church does and so many great churches do. It's super important for parents too to just do whatever they can to pull their kids off their phone from this imaginary community of friends and pull them into real communities of friends where you're working together, serving together, playing together, singing together, praying together. And that can be the true place where you find your self-esteem in that kind of community. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful, Ryan. Was it difficult writing the book? Oh man, three years, three and a half years. It almost killed me, Joel. And it's so funny because I was finishing this book and I was past deadline and I needed to come up with the last chapter and I was sweating and in my underwear and pounding away on my keyboard and my and the, we already had a publication date so it, it it really needed to be done and i was under the gun and uh and i was like oh man why did i agree to this this is terrible i'm never doing this again and of course then i finished the book it becomes a new york times bestseller people are digging it and i'm like okay what's my next one, what's my next one? <laughs> i love that so, soul boom we need a spiritual revolution my friend rain wilson from the office but rain you have the last word well I think we need to all just work together. I think uh, it's a time in our culture where we can set aside our our belief differences and look at our commonalities of love and service, compassion and humility, and uh, people of all different faiths. We can utilize spiritual tools and a faith in in the divine um, and common service and grassroots community to come together and help make the world a better place. And that's what we need to do, both for the mental health crisis, for the political crisis that's tearing our country apart, for all the issues that humanity are are facing. And I'm hoping that Soul Boom provides just a little bit of light uh, into that struggle and into that journey. I know it will. Rain, thank you so much. Great talking with you. And uh, like I said, a great fan and appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for taking time to write the book. You're bringing a lot of light into the world. Joel, I appreciate it so much. It's an honor speaking with you. Thanks for all of your incredible work and uh, community building. Really was a privilege. I thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. 
You can listen on demand anytime with the SXM app or at SiriusXM.com. To find out more, call 855-585-JOEL. That's 855-585-JOEL.